Who would you climb a tree to see? Who would you climb a tree to see? If that was the only way, uh, are we alright then? Yeah. Okay, just love. <laughs> okay, just a normal day in church. Just a little love of the floor, okay? Love of the dance floor, is that? said to him, 
Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And you can hear the crowd cheering in the background. <laughs> right, it's not a cue. Jesus said to him, Today, today, salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. An encouraging and inspiring passage. I think a challenging passage in some ways as well. But I think also very encouraging, uh, as we will see here. So, a little bit of background, and then we're going to talk about some things in our groups. So this story of Zacchaeus is unique to Luke. It's only in Luke. It's not in any of the other Gospels. Like quite a lot of material in Luke, and especially a lot of the material in Luke that's unique to you, because Luke is about the, uh, it's about marginalised and, and, the, and the sinners, basically. Those who society, people around would not accept. Um, and we're in Jericho. Jericho is an easy place to get rich. It's one of those places where, if you were a businessman, if you had a bit of entrepreneurial spirit, you could easily get rich there. It was a trading point uh, uh, um, uh, a where, where trading routes crossed and, and a lot of uh, uh, wealth going on there. A bit of a, a, bit of a Las Vegas, Atlanta, New York y kind of place, I suppose, in some ways. Uh, where are we? Are we here? Um, right there's Jerusalem, there's Jericho. Now you'll see. Uh, Jericho's there three times. When I put Jericho into my Bible app of software, that's what it comes up with. It gives you three locations. That's not because anybody's confused, but it's because it was rebuilt several times. It's a very, very ancient city, thousands and thousands of years old. It had been destroyed and rebuilt a number of times. And so this explains also just a technical side point. Right in uh, the previous passage in Luke 18 that Masaki talked about, it talks about him in Luke 18 and in Mark's account. One of them speaks about him entering, one of them speaks about leaving Jericho. You can be leaving and entering Jericho at the same point. It's not at, at the same time. It's not a contradiction. Because you're, you're leaving one bit of old Jericho and going into a new bit of newer Jericho, or less old Jericho. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's what's going on there. In case anybody says there's a contradiction in the Bible, no it isn't because of that situation. In Jericho. Anyway, that's a free one for today. So, um, we've got a contrast with the rich man, right in Luke 18, the passage before Asagi spoke, uh, Dan preached on about the rich ruler, right? So we've got a rich man in Luke 18, we've got a rich man now, uh, but a bit of a difference, and we're going to talk about that as we go through today. That's a bit of the context. Also, this man in Oles, Jericho, roughly how it sort of would have looked like in uh, the time of Jesus, the kind of dwellings they'd have had. Uh, that's modern Jericho. It's still there today. And, uh, okay, so he's a chief tax collector. That's the Greek word used there. It's the only time this word is used in the Holy New Testament. He wasn't just a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector, which basically makes him being like a head of one branch of the, the mafia in Jericho. He's like, he's like the mafia's representative in, in Jericho. It's kind of the way that works. So if you were a chief tax collector, it meant you had million tax collectors working for you, going around collecting all these taxes. And 
Uh, you gave a certain amount of your own government, uh, but you kept as much as you could for yourself. And you could set your own local rates. Because the government, the local Romans said, well, we want this much. And so how you got it and how much you kept for yourself was up to you. And so he had his minions. And we know from uh, records in Egypt that these kind of guys often went around with, with soldiers and policemen to enforce the taxes that they were collecting. And I'm sure the uh, policemen and the, tax and the soldiers at the time also got a nice little cut off that kind of thing. So this was not a nice guy. I mean, we talk about him... When I was in Sunday school, we learned this song. Um, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. You find him in a single tree, the Lord Jesus thought you see. I don't know if any of you remember that, right? I don't know. So he's like cute. You know, he's little, he's cute. He's, uh, but actually, he was not cute. He was a ruffian. I mean, this was someone in charge of causing pain to a lot of other people. It's not a cute story. At least, it's not a cute person that begins uh, this story right here. So that's a bit of the background for him. Uh, the sycamore fig tree. Uh, that's the sycamore fig tree in Jerusalem. No, in Jericho even today. Probably not the one he climbed. But certainly big enough <coughs> to support him on one of the branches looking uh, out at Jesus. Okay. So, now I have a handout for us to do some work here. Okay. So, uh, what I put on here, I'll just show everybody before we start. Nice picture of a tree, in case you are interested. Take a more picture tree. And the text passage here. And then I've got some questions. So what I'd like us to do is divide the room in half. Roughly even number. So aside, you could go with that group and then everybody on this side. And this side, I'd like you to look at, uh, let's say, can you look at Zacchaeus? And this group, look at Jesus. And what I've got on here are some questions which I'll give you, <coughs> which is really, first of all, Zacchaeus or Jesus, what do we learn in this passage about his heart and his character? What do we see there from the actions, from what's said, what's done? What do we learn about the heart and character of Zacchaeus and the heart and character of Jesus? Secondly, what are the consequences? What are the consequences of the actions of what Jesus does and the consequences for Zacchaeus of what he does and the people around him and everybody in the, in the story, in, in the scene we're looking at here in the beginning of Luke 19? And thirdly, so you do first question, discuss it for a few minutes, second question, discuss it for a few minutes, and then at the end, just for a couple of minutes, ask yourself, in what way could you imitate one thing that's relevant to your life? One thing in Zacchaeus that's relevant for your life, one thing in Jesus that's relevant. So, and then we'll have a bit of sharing after that and wrap up. Just a few thoughts on what you noticed about <laughs> the heart and the character of Zacchaeus. Um, he was ready to change. Okay. Yeah. Um, willing to look silly. Yeah. Um, and he had some humility, uh, but he still had a bit of pride. Okay. Yeah. Mm, okay. Okay. So, and then, um, what was the second part? The consequences. Yeah, for him and those around him. Um, sin has consequences. Anybody else want to add anything? I, just want to add, I don't know how many poor there were in Jericho. 
But the idea of him giving half his possession to the poor could have had quite a significant impact on that little community in Jericho. It could be that there's no beggars for the next few years because they're all taken care of. Mm -hmm. It's fun. Mm -hmm. so. Which is a brilliant point and came up over here. Mm -hmm. um, and just to add to that, I could, um, to, to, from what I understand of the Gospel of Luke and what I understand about the Gospel, the good news, and the Kingdom, this is partly an illustration, it's a practical thing that actually happened, but it's partly an illustration of what happens when the Kingdom comes. When the Kingdom of God comes to humankind and we embrace it, then there are blessings, there are advantages that occur to the rest of creation. And that's, we as Christians make other people's lots better by the way we live, in some way or other. Yeah. And it's an example of how if there were never meant to be the poor and destitute in Israel. There was the seven year forgiving of debts, there was the leaving of the gleanings for people to... But there, there, no one was meant to be desperate and destitute. That should never happen. There shouldn't be beggars in Israel. It shouldn't happen. And it's only in the Kingdom of God coming we see the way that God can restore things the way it was meant to be. And I think this is part of what's going on here. Thank you for that. Anybody else on this side? And then we'll talk about Jesus for a minute. Jesus, okay. Let's talk about him. Um, what did we notice? Tunda, yes, um, about him. Yes, um, we felt that Jesus was well connected with God and tuned to be able to actually notice it. And um, Jesus' action also demonstrates um, what's in his heart, which is absolute submission to the will of God, um, and the interaction show compassion and care about him for this part of that, that it produces for him in his way to be crucified. Yeah. And um, his heart, we also felt him demonstrate boldness and courage, yeah, actually willing to do what he might consider to be the norm. And also, it was not really controlled by what he think, which is why we're going to feed him. Jesus ministered through the gospel. Yes. And um, the consequences of his action, and I don't know in question, we felt, you know, he brought about social justice because um, he remedied those he cheated and um, also provided relief to the poor as well. And also, Zacchaeus himself and his household, we felt that you know, from, the, from the scripture they received salvation, which is quite um, important. <coughs> and, um, and the action of Jesus also exposed the ignorance of the people around there because they it was more like us versus him versus us kind of mentality they had in terms Okay, thank you very much. Um, so, just jumping to the personal for a minute, and anybody, either group, want to share a bit anything you can see in the character of Zacchaeus, the character of Jesus, that you think, actually, I can even take that. In my, in my life situation, there's something there for me that's relevant. Anything like that? Either group? 
Super practical thing is, is to know, <laughs> puts the right way, but knowing the names of the sinners in our lives, knowing the names of the sinners that people put in our lives, by, by which I mean the kinds kinds of people that we wouldn't normally associate with or feel connected with or feel like we, we can relate to, perhaps people that we would rather keep our distance from, maybe knowing their names, the, the, the enemy at work, the, the problem neighbor, the Something like that, no? Maybe that's something, and he knew the name. It was a channel then for his compassion. Okay, anything else? Anything relevant to our lives? We, we thought that um, for the gears to, to get to this point, it must have been prompted by something. Right? You know, whether that was uh, you know, something traumatic happening in his life, or perhaps the grief or something. To prompt him to say, Son, I need to go, I need to go and see Jesus. So we just wanted to be open and listen for those prompts. They are not ignore them. Not ignore them. Continue to count money. Right? He would have been tempted to do. <laughs> just count the money. Yeah. You know, push away the, the prompting. Something's going on. Listen to those promptings. And the person through perhaps whom they come sometimes, right? God puts people in our lives. And it's important to pay attention to them when they arrive in our lives. I, I think it was a, a survey done a few years ago. I think if I remember the numbers correctly, they did a survey of asking people who became Christians how many different people were involved in their lives before becoming a Christian, but who they considered to have had a positive influence on them becoming a Christian. So it might have been a friend at work, uh, a family member, a Sunday school teacher, whatever. And the average, I think, was 13 people. That they could count 13 people who'd actually had an influence on them. Before that final one. But then, you know, paying attention to the final one, because the key is at least even. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, it's time. It's, yeah. it's Jesus. Okay, let me wrap up and then we'll be done, I think. A uh, couple of thoughts. One is, one, one thing we see in Jesus is the heart of God. I think we're seeing that. Yeah. Um, we've got... Uh, Ezekiel 34, God saying, I'll bring the lost back. I'll bring them back. So Jesus has come to seek and save the lost. He's demonstrating that. He's bringing the sheep in. Uh, Luke 15, the power of the lost sheep, leaving the 99, going after the one, seeking and saving. It's the heart of God that we see in Jesus that then his disciples have. That that's our heart. Have that same heart for those who really need uh, saving, finding. And then, I think with... Um, thought with 
Zacchaeus, no, we'll, we'll, move, we'll leave that for now. Um, just, just to finish up, I think, I was, I was thinking, why climb a tree? The title I put there was, was why climb a tree? I was thinking about this, why, why did he climb, what really, I mean, he wanted to see Jesus, okay, uh, maybe he had his promptings and now he knew this was the time, and he was, he was coming, Jesus was coming into town. Why, why climb a tree? And why has Luke put this, this passage in that, that none of the other uh, gospel writers? And I was thinking about the context of Luke 18 and the passage about the rich man. In Luke 18, I think it's verse 27, um, uh, the rich man walks away sad. Do you remember that? Oh, he's had his encounter with Jesus. He won't sell everything and give to the poor. So he walks away sad. And Jesus says, it's hard for a rich man to be saved and likely going through the eye of an evil thing, right? Yeah. And then Peter says, but then who can be saved? I mean, if, I mean this is crazy. And Jesus says, with, with man it's, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. And I think if I was one of the disciples, I would see that rich man leave and I'd hear what Jesus said and I'd think, well, rich people can't become Christians. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my context now, right? How hard it is for the rich to enter. And how hard it is for, you know, fill in the blank. But certain people we might think they can't. I mean, Hindu neighbors, Muslim neighbors, um, Zoroastrian work colleagues. I mean, I can't see them becoming Christians. I, I can't see it. My elderly relative, my child, my. You know, the, we, but, and I think this story tells us this story is telling us that nothing is impossible. If the sort of mafia, local mafia head guy, can become a Christian, can become a follower of Christ. A ri- this rich man can. That rich man decided not to. It's not that he couldn't, it was hard, but that, in Luke 18, that chap decided not to. This rich man shows us, oh, actually, anybody can follow Jesus. Anybody. So it doesn't matter, even us, we sit here today, we feel we've mounted up too much guilt and too much sin. We, we, we've had made too many mistakes. Or we have friends. Who we think I can't I can't see it. God can see them becoming Christians even when we can't. And I think it's really about the, the impossible uh, context really there. Um, I want to finish off by sharing a story with you. Uh, the chap in the middle of the picture there is a fellow called Austin. And standing either side of him are his parents, um, Alex and Patty, Alex and Patty Hunter. And um, they, the parents became Christians quite some time ago, and their son, who is, I'm going to say, 19 or thereabouts now, uh, was raised largely in the church, uh, I think in Atlanta a good chunk of the time. Uh, but he hadn't become a Christian, he was 18, and he wanted to go off to university, and the place he wanted to go, all the way from Atlanta, was Cardiff, of all places. Um, and there's a course there, he's a... Um, He's a very talented musician, actor, dancer, thespian type. And um, he wanted to go to the Royal College of Music and Arts or something in Cardiff. I forget the exact uh, title. So, but we don't have a congregation there. And the nearest one is Bristol, which is a long way from there. Especially if you're a young guy and you don't have a car and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, his parents, he wanted to go, so his parents said okay. He went off there, um, not as a Christian, though, you know, going to church back in Atlanta, but not, not ready to become a Christian. I mean, a real challenging situation. Going to be there for three years with no, no uh, uh, opportunities for spiritual support and everything. Well, overhauled, for the same time, a chap called Mark Avril became available 
to be hired for a, 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 like, a, like an intern in the Thames Valley Church. And he was sent out to Bristol, he's based in Bristol. And he, once a week, has been going over to Cardiff, driving over, once a week, spending the time, uh, most of a day, with uh, this young man, doing Bible studies. And then every Sunday, he's been traveling over from Cardiff to uh, Bristol, and going along, and actually helping with the song leading. He's uh, very, very good. Um, and then as he continued to study the Bible, it, you know, it took a long time. I talked to Mark, <laughs> who'd been going over to study the Bible with him, and he said, you know, the word signs, I really didn't feel like going. Driving all that way, no discernible change or progress, you know, week after week after week after week after week. But he said, I kept going because, uh, he said, because, because um, Austin said that he, he had a faith in God, that God had put him there in Cardiff for a purpose, in particular, so that he could find him. And in Austin's own mind, the reason he was in Cardiff was because God took him there to find God. Which is not what you would expect. Anyway, they carried on studying the Bible and he decided he wanted to become a Christian. So uh, his parents jumped on the plane and uh, flew over and the next day, uh, Bristol Church and a few other friends went down to the Bristol Channel and, uh, and they baptized him uh, in the Bristol Channel. I love that picture. Isn't that amazing? Uh, it's Mark on the left, uh, who's studied the Bible with him, and then his dad uh, on the right. And just to finish off, I, I love that photograph. That picture of a clear conscience, of knowing why God put you where he put you. Uh, of knowing that you have been sought, and you have been saved, and you have found Jesus Christ. A lot of us here, we can relate to that feeling and that memory, and uh, that amazing thing that God does. I would encourage us to, to take some lessons from Jesus, to take some lessons from Zacchaeus, think about our own lives, where this, what we might be learning from this is going to help us. Um, why climb a tree? Why climb a tree? Because you believe in the impossible with God. Why do we do what we do? Sometimes it's embarrassing or difficult, because we believe that with God things are impossible. Let's take that with us through this week. Amen. Thank you very much.